I'm Sarah, and this is one of a series of talks by different people from the congregation looking at different people in the Bible while we are without a vicar. And today there will be the odd pause deliberately included for reflection. This week we're celebrating Harvest, which as a community living in the most densely populated borough in the country may be a slightly alien concept to many of us. Most of us didn't spend the winter getting the land ready, or the spring busy planting. With supermarkets buying in food from all over the world, sometimes it's hard to even remember that most food should really only grow and be available at certain times of the year. But maybe that's why it's even more important for us to take the time to mark harvest. To remember the people who did plough and plant and reap the people that don't have a harvest to celebrate. And to remind ourselves that even though we might not know the perfect time to plant or need to watch for the rains in anxious anticipation, we are still bound up in the community with this incredible planet that we rely on and that our actions impact the harvests of others, even if we don't notice that ourselves. Two thousand years ago, Jesus finds himself sitting with his friends watching the world go by. They notice people paying in their offering to the temple, and Jesus points out that even though plenty of rich people have put lots of money in, a poor widow has given more than any of them because her gift would have cost her so much. We don't know her name, we don't know anything about her except that she is poor and a widow which were things that in those days, in that place, often went together. And that she gives everything she has, which isn't much. Whenever I've heard this story about the poor widow, I've heard it talked about mostly as a great sign of her generosity. Isn't it wonderful, people have said, that even though she has so little, she's willing to give it away. It's used to implore people to give to church, it's used to talk about how much God loves a sacrificial heart and a cheerful giver. But we don't know that she's cheerful. I expect that she might actually be terrified. Terrified of how she will now feed her children. How she might make it to the end of the week without being hungry or desperate. Maybe she busted a gut planting and reaping to sell a few vegetables to raise that money. Or maybe she scraped the money together by gleaning from other people's harvests. Maybe she had to sell something of herself. Whatever she did, she'll now have to start again from scratch because she's given it all away. We don't know that Jesus is imploring us to give like this. Coming immediately as it does after the passage about the teachers of the law in their flowing robes who profit from the misfortune of widows, perhaps Jesus isn't praising her generosity at all. He doesn't finish the story with go and do likewise, as he does elsewhere. So maybe, in fact, he's condemning the system that allows such a scene like this to take place. Two thousand years later, we're able to watch the whole world go by through, the, through our screens. And we can see that the Philippines 
is being battered by yet another typhoon. The strongest typhoon to make landfall since Typhoon Haiyan in 2013, but the ninth typhoon of the 2018 season. Thankfully, the death toll is relatively low, thanks to disaster preparation. But still, more than 80 people in the Philippines have been killed. And on top of that, tens of thousands of people have been affected, and thousands of people have lost their harvest. Farms across northern Luzon, which produces much of the nation's rice and corn, were flooded by muddy water. And thousands of farmers have had their crops ruined just a few weeks before harvest. We don't know their names, and we don't know much about the individuals affected. But we can guess that many of them are now also terrified, and wondering how they will make it through the next few weeks. The second reading, The Power Couple, by Mei Ling Su, struck me as a modern reading of the passage of the poor widow. In our usual understanding of a power couple, we think of David and Victoria Beckham, or Hillary and Bill Clinton, rich and with status, well-dressed and beautiful. Like the religious elite in the Mark passage, they are treated to the best seats at the best banquets. But actually, it's the other power couple that the author seems to see the most strength in. Like Jesus, acknowledging the poor widow and her sacrifice, drawing attention to a woman presumably ignored or left behind by the leaders in their robes and the rich givers. The second couple in the reading are tossed aside by a world of non-stop consumerism, feeling the impacts of frequent disasters that are only worsened by the climate-changing gases that we have emitted. The reading puts them at the forefront of our consciousness, linking their suffering to the extravagance of the other. Just as Jesus makes the point about the poor widow, just after he's noted the extravagance of the teachers of the law. <clears throat> we know that right now poor people, and often poor women in particular, bear the brunt of a changing climate. We know that if we take historical emissions into account, the UK has been one of the most polluting countries in the world. And we know that the way the climate is changing as a result of those emissions is causing harm to people and their harvests all around the world. And that if we don't work for a big shift to a cleaner future, where countries like ours have urgently reduced our emissions, it's likely that more people will go hungry. I was lucky enough to travel to the Philippines to meet Christian Aid partners who are working alongside communities to adapt to the changing climate, to better prepare for the inevitable disasters that will happen, and to build a brighter future free from fossil fuels and powered by renewable energy. I met many women who are bearing the brunt and yet doing more than their fair share. Suzette, whose home was destroyed by Typhoon Haiyan, and yet has helped her community to build back better and with solar-powered homes. Hazel, who lost her parents and her younger brother, but is now a solar scholar, supporting her community to use clean power to overcome that lack of electricity.
and Lufus Minder, who runs a solar-powered charging station so that fisher folk can charge batteries for lights and catch more fish at night. And who belongs to the local savings group where women pool their resources in order to make loans to each other in times of need. The reading power couple comes from this book, which is called Agam, and the subtitle is Filipino Narratives on Uncertainty and Climate Change. It's a beautiful book. I'd love for you to look at it afterwards. It's full of pictures and poems and stories about climate change without ever using the word climate change. And it's created by one of the organisations that I met in the Philippines, ICSC, or the Institute for Climate and Sustainable Cities. In the introduction to the book, Red, who leads that organisation, says, If you are looking for easy steps, for lists that now border on the glib, which recommend top ten things that you can do to save the planet, then you should look elsewhere. Because this is a book that asks you to sit down and take a deep breath. This is a book that whispers in your ear, this is where our stories begin. I'm reminded of a conversation in Lacuna, a novel by Barbara Kingsolver, where a character named Salome tells another called Shepherd, you had better write all of this down in your notebook, so that when nothing is left of us but bones, somebody will know where we went. This book draws a line in the sand, tells you where we are right now, and that it needn't be the same precipice that we will find ourselves in tomorrow. So there is a hope, even in telling these stories, that we can still create a different world to the one where the Philippines is increasingly pounded by more and more dangerous typhoons. In noticing, in listening, in reflecting on how we must respond and then doing it, there is still time to create another world. Power Couple points out that often people remain nameless and unnoticed until they are at their most desperate. Jesus noticed the woman that no one else was taking much notice of. Perhaps after he watched her give her gift, Jesus spoke to her, found out her name, and restored her hope that the future might get easier. Perhaps by being seen, she remembered that she had worth beyond her two small coins. By listening to stories from the Philippines, despite them being difficult for us to hear, perhaps we can draw a line in the sand and say that this is not the future that we want to be part of. Both Jesus and the poem are about noticing people that no one else is noticing, challenging the structure that makes people marginalised in the first place, and inviting us to build a different world together. Harvest is a time to celebrate and to share in God's abundance. Right now, because of climate change, often the people that have worked the harvest are unable to share in its bounty. So may this harvest be a time for us to consider our place in creation and to recommit to being a community that is drawn towards noticing the marginalised and changing the world. Because maybe Jesus wants us to celebrate women whose inner strength leads them to give more than their fair share. 
but maybe he also wants us to work for a world where no woman has to give everything that she has. God of all time, we give thanks for women past and present, far and near, who turn the soil, sow the seeds, and reap a harvest of community. May they be an example for us. We give thanks for Suzette, Hazel, and Lufus Minder, names that we do not recognise, women who live in a different place to us, who come together to support and provide from their own resources. Saving schemes to make dreams possible. Loans to cover medical bills. Renewable energy so that their community can grow and thrive. May they be an example for us. We give thanks for the women who come to our minds. The names that we know so well. Who live with us and have gone before us who have together supported and provided from their own resources. They bring their skills and talents to hold us together as a community that grows and thrives. May they be an example to us. Amen.